Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Be sure to check out our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and explore our archive of previous episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to business creators like you today. Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite network, whether it be iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, or any of our social media properties so that you can have access to this episode and any other episodes that benefit you as a business creator. So let's dive in. One of the things that I have been very, very fortunate to have developed over my past 15 years as an entrepreneur and a business creator is what I like to call a lifestyle business. And I think a lot of folks get into entrepreneurship because they have this idea that, well, I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to set my own hours. And, da, 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 da. and then they find out because they don't either don't know what they don't know, they don't know what questions to ask, or they don't know how to focus their time, their energy, and their efforts. They become the archetype of the harried entrepreneur who's solopreneurial and running around with a briefcase in one hand and a cell phone basically fused to the other side of their head is they're racing from one call to the other, uh, nonstop, trying to get new clients, trying to babysit the clients they already have, and then after the typical short 14-hour day, getting into writing more proposals that they can submit and then follow up on 10 times. Now, if, if everything I've described to you is something that you don't want to experience or maybe it's something you're experiencing right now and you really just want to do something a little bit different because that wasn't exactly your dream, when you decided to embrace the entrepreneurial business creator's lifestyle, today's episode is for you. We will be discussing the principles of developing a profitable lifestyle business. This is going to be one of those episodes where you're going to want to lean in closely and tune in as you will discover numerous little nuggets of wisdom that you can apply to your business model and your lifestyle right now to get you more of what you want and less of what you don't want. And to guide us on this journey, we have with us today Matt Maloof. And let me tell you a little about Matt Maloof. He's a passionate business coach, entrepreneur, speaker, author, and podcast host on a mission to help entrepreneurs around the world break the shackles of me- excuse me, the shackles. I'm so excited about this. The shackles of mediocrity and reach new levels of personal business success. And that's coaching program has helped more than a thousand clients add millions of dollars in turnover without adding pressure on internal resources. He incorporates the framework outlined in his bestseller, The Stop Doing List, to help entrepreneurs address their most crucial needs and build a thriving business to give them more certainty, more profit, and ultimately more freedom for the things that really matter in life. If this sounds good to you as it does to me, get your pad of paper and two pens out and let's dive in. Matt Maloof, come on in. The weather's fine. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. And I will advise our listeners that uh, this what's very interesting about this interview, this is an international interview. Matt is uh, 16 hours ahead of me in Australia, so we're here we are today on the Business Creators Radio Show, and for Matt, it's already tomorrow. So this is going to be kind of a glimpse into the future. And uh, bear in mind that uh, bear in mind we may have some slight delay in the line here. It's just one of the vagaries of doing podcasting sometimes. But the important thing is the value we're going to add to you. Now, Matt, before we dive in, 
What we like to do here on Business Creators Radio is first turn it over to you as our memorable guest. And tell us a little bit. I read off your official bio, and it's great stuff. But what I would like to get to know a little bit more of is your personal journey that's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Yeah, so I um, I began my journey uh, and initial training as an accountant. Uh, I went to university, uh, trained, uh, got a cadetship with Ernst & Young, uh, one of the, the, the big international firms, and I had this aspiration of being a partner of one of these accounting firms and um, very quickly <laughs> changed my mind when I realized that that meant hours and hours and hours a day looking at spreadsheets and numbers, and um, it really did, you know, very early in my career, suck the life out of me. I, um, I found myself, um, you know, in, in my early 20s thinking, what am I doing? I was getting up, uh, living this very repetitive life, and uh, I knew that there was more that I had to give. And um, I know that's very cliche, but it's the truth. I, I felt very... Um, so I made the decision to to change, and uh, the, my my deep passion is to help people. Um, I did this piece of work with you know I went on, on one of those journeys um, as we all do I think looking for our purpose, and I remember sitting with this gentleman Oliver, and and I engaged him to help me with this, and he just said, Matt, I've known you for a couple of years, and it's really simple. He goes, every time I watch you speak to somebody. When you speak with me, when you when you interact, you're you're always trying to help, and it was like this light bulb that went off. That, that you know, for me, it's about helping people. If I can help, you know, you move forward. If I can, you know, put a smile on your face. If you can, do I can do something that helps you live a better life in some way, shape, or form. Then uh, my life feels fulfilled. So, I went into the fitness industry, and uh, I became a personal trainer. And in time. Um, Ran Australia's largest personal training studio, and then went out and uh, and set up my own studio, um, where we helped literally hundreds and hundreds of people every single week living a better and healthier life. Um, in a very short space of time, I uh, uh, grew and leveraged myself out of that business, and I was looking for my what, what, what do I want to do next? And for me, the theme of helping people and business. Were, were, were prominent. They were the two key go-tos for me. So, um, and I'd had a I'd had a business coach. Uh, I engaged my first business coach two weeks prior to opening my my first business. So I had a big belief in the in the service. Um, and so I so I, I I just made the decision to start coaching. And I um, like I literally it's one of those I, I got a box of business cards. I didn't even have a website at the time, box of business cards, and I used to go uh, to networking events locally and uh, you know, introduce myself, and I, I got my first half a dozen clients that way, and over time, uh, developed and uh, have grown, and uh, I, I ran a, a, a big program. Uh, oh, I, I moved from that about 12 months ago where we used to, you know, at any given time, we'd have 150 uh, of people in that program uh, in all around, all around the world, and I've now spent the last uh, eight and a half years helping business owners and entrepreneurs live a more fulfilling life through
through their business success. So, and I want to make that really clear. I think there are some business coaches that only focus on the, the personal development piece. Uh, I, I think um, it's the personal development with the business and professional development need to go hand in hand, and that's the sort of space where, where I sit. So that's been my journey, and um, you know, I get, um, in that time, uh, I, I, I got married. I've got three beautiful children uh, now, and uh, um, and my passion uh, is to have the freedom to be part of uh, their growth journey. Also, you know, you mentioned something at the very beginning. You know, uh, there's a parallel between my story and yours. I think is I went to college, I decided right when at the time I was graduating that I had nothing to do with my actual major, and then I, uh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I drifted for a moment, and then I had a couple jobs, and I decided I wanted to go to MBA school. So I went and got my master's in business in human resource management, and then I, by that time I was employed full-time by a growing company, and I got some job offers, and I turned them all down because I got bit by the entrepreneurial bug. And I decided to follow that path. And two years later, I had a full-time business. It's been nonstop forward moving. Now, when I formed my corporation, when I had that belief in myself that I was going to move forward, you know who the very first person I added to my team was? Who? My accountant. The very first thing I did, as soon as I had that corporation formed and I decided I was moving forward and I was going to get organized about the freelance work I was doing, is I got a recommendation for the best small business accountant available in my area. And this guy is fantastic. He's been my accountant for 17 years. He loves me except when it comes time to get my documents for the annual tax filing because, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, entrepreneurs, you know, right? And um, <laughs> uh, But... The thing is, is he's one of those guys, and this is part of what I love about him. He loves numbers. He loves searching through things and figuring it out. I mean, he geeks out on this stuff. He loves his, he loves the beach, and he likes his golf games, too, and he has a nice balance in his life. So when it comes to his work, he loves his work. So there's something for everybody, and it's a credit to you that you figured out pretty early on that uh, accounting work was good for somebody, but it was just, in your case, good for somebody else. And I think that that is one of the keys to finding your way to a profitable lifestyle business is understanding what lifestyle you really want. And for you, that wasn't it. For you, what I heard is that what makes your lifestyle valuable is you have the opportunity to help people. You're driven by altruism and a sense of wanting to lift others up. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And uh, I, uh, I, I think there's one layer above that for me is I – I believe very early in, in my life, I made a decision. I, was, I feel very, very blessed to have been introduced to personal development very early, early on. And so I made a very clear decision that I was, was going to live a life of no regrets. And so when I made that initial decision to move from um, accounting to personal training, that was probably the first really big life decision that I, that I made on my own. And I, you know, um, I remember I, I, I engaged a life coach at the time and had a half a dozen sessions with her to help me make this decision. And it was, it was like this slingshot. Like I felt like my life was being held back. But the moment that decision was made, it was like this, uh, you know, this dominoes effect. Um, 
So I make this make the decision to to go into fitness. Uh, literally 30 days after uh, I've, I've got so I, I travelled, I got the job. I came I came back from travel. Uh, 30 days after I start the, the the new job that I've been dreaming about, I meet my now wife. You know, we begin dating. Yeah, you know, it was like this this whole energetic shift that occurred uh, around this decision to to live a life of no regrets. Right. And I think and I think that's fantastic. I've got to say that I have a lot of admiration for what you've accomplished and what you're doing now today serving business creators. So, let's uh, get into this a little bit deeper, shall we? And let's start by establishing a framework for what we're sharing today. So, I believe that lifestyle can be driven by mindset as do you. And just so that we can get it out of the way, what are some of the out there to decrease productivity in entrepreneurs. Uh, sorry, you broke up there for a second. I might get, can you repeat the question, please? Oh, certainly. Uh, what are some of the negative mindsets that you see that hold entrepreneurs back? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, one of the primary um, mind, negative mindsets that are holding entrepreneurs back is this whole concept of um, others can't do things as well as I can, or I need to be, I need to, if I don't do it, it won't get done right. And if you're going to build a business, like, and, and this whole profitable lifestyle business concepts, you need to accept that the only way to do it is to have people. Um, you don't necessarily need a lot of people, but you're going to need people to come in and, work with you in order to, to serve and deliver your product or service. And this mindset around they can't do it as well as I can is, um, in my opinion, very small-minded thinking. Um, in in, in the, the businesses I've worked with over the years, what I've come to learn is that many of the activities or tasks to run a successful business are not unique to a particular business or industry. There are certain things that are unique, you may have a unique process for, for you know, manufacturing or something like that. But let's call it 80% of what you do in your business is not unique to your business alone. And when you understand that, then you understand that there are people out there that are um, more skilled, better trained, and, and actually more motivated to do a lot of these tasks that you want to control and hold on to. And moving right. away from... I need to control everything or they can't do it as well as I can is I think one of the, um, the, the you know, I guess it's a, it really brings a sense of freedom, but it also accelerates the growth of your company. I couldn't agree more. And I think also it's important to be, I shall we say, very strategic about that because I've seen people who attend a webinar or they work with a coach for one session and they say, you need a team. You need people. So they go out and hire two of everything, but they still don't have a plan behind how are they going to bring this together into a coherent unit? How is this going to be an organization of people that supports the revenue and profitability growth of the business? How is this going to sustain their lifestyle? And even how are we going to utilize these people? Yeah, absolutely. You're right. You know, and um, I think there's a degree of, of strategy that, that certainly needs to be overlaid. 
Uh, often a lot of the things that people want to retain control over in the initial stages of their business as well uh, are often lower value tasks that if they're not done 100%, even if they're not done to the 80% of the level that, that you would do it as the owner or entrepreneur, it really doesn't matter as long as they get done. And so, um, you know, I think sometimes, this, you know, getting the speed, particularly for a lot of the administrative tasks, uh, can actually serve you and your company uh, really well and very quickly. Yeah, I think I think there's something to that, and uh, and you know, I've I found that as well. That what we see sometimes happen with companies is there's a need for statistical process control and review of everything. Now, when you have a situation where things get backed up in a review queue, nothing happens, and then next thing you know is. <laughs> is people will actually just stop producing because the nature of team building, and I cover this on this in my book as well, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy, is when you have folks supporting your business and they're not getting the feedback and even more, they're not seeing the work that they do for you put into action so we can find out how well does this work, how does this play in the marketplace, how does this contribute to the financial picture, they'll just kind of give up and go elsewhere because they need the gratification of seeing their stuff put to, put to the marketplace. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's a really interesting point you say there because often entrepreneurs will employ people and then not entrust them with the the responsibilities that, that go with their role out of fear of uh, whether it's they're not going to do it as well as I can or what, what a fear pops up for them. Um, and you're right, you, you lose good people very quickly simply for the fact that they don't feel trusted, they don't feel acknowledge they don't feel empowered or and, and hence they they their engagement drops and like you said they, they move on totally agree yeah for a few years back in the day my primary business was basically doing ghostwriting and uh, what i meant by that is um i would uh, ghostwrite people's blogs i would ghostwrite their social media i would write their video scripts i would uh write their email sequences and things like that and their broadcasts and the understanding that I needed to come to with a client in order for the relationship to move forward was twofold. Number one, I need them involved at first to tell me how well a job I'm doing of voicing them. So to be able to look at that and say, yeah, okay, this is fine, but I would say this differently, or this is not really my voice, or, oh, no, that one little phrase right there, I would never say that. Don't include that in the language because they'll know it didn't come from me. And I also put a time limit on that. I, my, I, what I would say is we have to have this process done within 30 days because within 30 days, if um, I'm not sending things out without you reviewing them, then that means that uh, that we have not completed this process successfully uh, because I'm not because I'm not going to write stuff so that it doesn't go into the marketplace. When I have something that uh, I'm ghostwriting and I want it to go out, I want it to go out immediately and I want it to see the marketplace and I'm not there to have stuff stuck in a review queue and have my brilliance questioned in my use of influence and persuasion language that I weave into my writing uh, just sidelined because it doesn't look grammatically correct or things like that. So those are my so those are basically my guidelines for doing that, going back to what you said earlier about giving your people the emancipation to do what they need to do. And the further understanding that I would have with clients is, you know what, once or twice a year I'm going to send one out and it's going to be a little bit off. So in that once or twice a year, you just send it to me and tell me. 
And and and, and what and I heard you, you say, you've got to give your people the opportunity to do that once in a while to occasionally have a miss because even your best batters occasionally miss a ball. Exactly. And and even the owner and entrepreneur doesn't hit it 100%. That's the that's the crazy thing. We set these unrealistic expectations of others um, and we often wrap that up in, well, I'm paying them to do this. Hence, they should be able to do way better than I can. But again, I think having... Um, these unrealistic expectations set everybody up to fail. Right. Absolutely. So I think we've covered some of that, you know, in terms of the mindsets, and we explored a little bit further to see how not having that trusting and abundant mindset towards growing a team effectively can get in the way of your profitable lifestyle business because now you're going to be dealing with all this little minutia. So you mentioned earlier, Matt, about understanding that certain tasks in your business and certain activities in your business maybe below your pay grade or maybe not the best use of your time. So how do you calculate what your time is actually worth? Yeah, in, in the book, we, we give a very different methodology to calculating your hourly rate. Um, most, most business owners will think about a charge-out rate as their hourly rate. Uh, what we, the way we uh, recommend you calculate it is, is a future-paced um, hourly rate. So you look at and go, okay, um, what's my profit forecast or goal for the next 12 months? And take your, your net profit goal and add your wage or salary to that amount. Uh, so let's, let's just go a hypothetical. Uh, my net profit goal is $500,000 and my salary is $140,000. So my total earnings is going to be $640,000. Um, the second uh, number you need to calculate is then how many weeks do you intend working per year? And so literally just taking 52 less the number of weeks you are planning on taking off. Um, and then the third number is how many hours per week do you intend working? Um, a lot of entrepreneurs that I meet for the first time are working 60 to 70 hours a week. Um, right. My belief is for most businesses where they're at, taking that down to, say, 10 or 15 hours in 12 months is unrealistic. But if you said that I want to go from 60 or 70 hours and get that down to 35 to 40 hours in a 12-month space of time, that's, I think that's reasonable. So you've got those three numbers. So you take your annual earnings goal and you divide it by the number of weeks you intend working in the next 12 months. And then you divide that by the number of hours you intend working per week, and you'll calculate your future-paced hourly rate. And that's how right. that's how we recommend that you do it because now you've got a a yardstick to against which you can measure. Well, this is my hourly rate that I'm forecasting for myself, and this is the rate that I'm going to need to invest to have somebody else do these tasks. Uh, does it make sense for me to, to to invest my time into this? And right. where this stemmed from was was a lot of entrepreneurs were focusing on saving money. If I can just do this, this, and this, then I'll save some, some money. And, you know, in early stages, let's be honest, we have to do a lot more than we'd like. 
we get that minimum viable product out into the market and, and we hit that break-even right. and, and initial profit stages. Um, but the reality is that once we get to that point, uh, investing in others to do these tasks uh, makes a lot more sense. And that then leads you to the, to the lifestyle aspect of that profitable lifestyle business. Right, right. Yeah, it's, and you know that makes a a lot of sense too. And you uh, and you, you you hit on a couple of uh, very important items there, which is one of which is the reality of how much you're actually going to work, or how much you're going to serve, or how much you're going to put in. I've I'm familiar with studies. I don't have any right in front of me right this second, but I've read so many of them. And just having read them, I have a rough estimate in my mind that in corporate settings, let's say somebody works an eight-hour day. On average, two hours of their time is going to be spent on actual productive work. Mm-hmm. So now translate that to your entrepreneurial business and think of that old joke about how entrepreneurs will spend 80 hours a week avoiding a 40-hour-a-week job. Think about that 60, 70 hours a week you mentioned. Is it pretty simple to be able to start dissecting that and recognizing how much of that is actually non-productive? How much of that should probably be evolved into a team member as you grow? Yeah, it's um, it's a really good question. One of the one of the um, I think most underutilized tools that people avoid is like a timesheet or a time log. Um, and when you when you do a time audit or a time log for a period of time, and you're really honest with yourself about it, uh, you'll you'll quickly identify how much uh, time you're wasting on things that just don't matter, and you'll you'll see the same in your team. So, um, I think that once you set the intention of how many hours a week you want to work, and then secondly, you you become acutely aware of where you're spending your time. Um, it becomes really easy to go from that sixty to seventy hours to forty. Yeah, I think I think so too. Uh, one of the things that I recognize is. I've done the time logging thing, and I'll be candid. I'm not extremely diligent about it because spreadsheets and charts just aren't really my thing. Uh, But what I did discover through the process in round numbers is that over half the time I was spending, quote, unquote, in the business could basically be described as dawdling. So I implemented a couple things uh, to work around that. And here's the most interesting one, in my opinion. I determined that there was this one arm of my consulting business that when I looked at how much of the time I spent in it was actually leading towards production and even involved in the creative and the brainstorming aspects that that drove the production, that I could do it on a part-time basis. So I figured out that aside from little things that may require daily attention, I can basically do that business one day a week. So at the beginning of the week, I see how my calendar is shaping out, and I say, all right, this is the day I'm going to grab it right now. I'm going to block it off. And that's the day I spend in that business. So any deliverables in that business that day happen that day. And I've crafted that business around the whole concept that there's really nothing in that business that's really urgent, time-sensitive, needs to be done right this minute. Um, any project that's in the business you know, usually has a one- to two-week turnaround, so I'll be pretty much timely with it regardless. So that was my idea of designing the lifestyle. And what that did is that freed up so much time so I could start thinking about well, what's another part-time business venture I could do? What's another? What's another? And then I started chipping away at uh, what am I doing on social media? I mean, yeah, we got to spend some time on social media, chatting with our friends, commenting on things, and 
stuff like that because we're people. So, I mean, just the whole idea of I'm going to block my timeline and I'm only going to post about business is a bunch of bullocks. In fact, if you are just posting about business, you're not really even really using social media effectively, in my personal opinion. But just I just wanted to give you, Matt, and our listeners sort of an insight in terms of how I took something you described and used it to find space in my life that could be donated and allocated to new revenue-generating activities. Yeah, I think, Adam, you know, in broader terms, it, you, what you're describing is Parkinson's law, you know, where uh, work will fill the time we give to it. And when we restrict that time, it's amazing what we can get done. Um, you know, I made the decision last year to go to a, a four-day work week. And once the decision was made, and then we literally just blocked off Fridays, went into my calendar, it is, it, you can't even access it to book anything in. And it was the interesting thing. It was, it's, it's, it's the mindset around this. It was work four days and grow 20%. So it wasn't this or that. And we found a way, but, but the reality was by, by limiting that time, um, I would, you know, it, it, the mindset was how do I increase my hourly return now? I've got fewer hours. I've got to get a, a greater return. And that's what you, you, right. you said, you know, I, I, I've got this business. I've got one day to do it. Just that one day. I'm not going to do it any other day. And when, you, when you're very um, – you'll hear um, successful entrepreneurs often talk about guarding their time. They'll guard their time because they know it's the most precious commodity that they have. And the, the, what, the, what you just explained is a, is a form of guarding your time, and I love that. I really do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, and I recognize, too, I'm going to pick that one day. And if that means i got to go morning till night on that one day to get all this stuff done, that's my day to clear it. So no matter whether I'm, I get done at uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon or 3 o'clock in the morning, I've done it all. And that's it. So it's now for the rest of the week for the stuff to permeate, to see the marketplace, to happen or whatever, need, whatever needs to do. Another thing I've implemented is uh, you, you identified – that you've locked off Friday. There just is no work on Friday. There's no scheduling on Friday. For me, it's Thursday for a slightly different reason because I have a couple off-site things that I do, a couple organizations I belong to that both have their meetings on Thursday. One's at noon, one's at 7 o'clock. So I don't even promise that I'll do anything that day other than attend those two meetings. So that time between the two meetings, hey, maybe I'll get a little work done. Maybe I'll do a little prospecting. Maybe I'll play hooky. It doesn't really matter because if anybody comes to me and says, are you available Thursday? Can you do this on Thursday? Can you get this to me on Thursday? I'll say, no, I'm not here Thursday. It has to be another day. If you need it urgently, it's got to be Wednesday. Otherwise, you know, we've got to look at another day. And, and how many people um, often object and insist then on Thursday? You know, here's the thing. Here's the thing because when I first started this, and, the, and, and what I love about this interview is how you and I are sort of kicking back and forth here. I love these so much. This is so great. Is I used to do it so formally back in the day. Um, I would uh, make a big announcement to all my clients. Here forth and in the future, be aware that our offices will be having in-service days every Thursday and that any project deliverables need to be uh, submitted for consideration by Monday for Wednesday delivery, blah, 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 blah. And that would generate a firestorm because all of a sudden everybody in the client network would decide that their business would literally crash without me there Thursday. And they would come up with paragraphs 
of explanation why that was the case and why they felt betrayed the fact that I did it. So when I made the decision to take away Thursdays a year ago, I just simply stopped delivering things on Thursdays. Um, if somebody asked me something and asked when I could have it, I just would never give Thursdays an option. And up until now, nobody's even questioned it. It's like a few months later, I just sort of let it drop. Hey, you know, I'm really out Thursdays. And they're like, oh, okay. Because I've already shown them that it doesn't impact their business. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and likewise, for when we did it, we we, we, just, we actually just blocked it in the calendar, uh, realized that there was only, I don't know, um, two or three repetitive uh, appointments. And we went out to those people one-to-one and just we didn't even say, we're not working Fridays anymore. You said, would you be open to moving to a Thursday? And yeah. lo and behold, they said yes. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an age old. If you, if you don't ask, you don't get. Number one. But secondly, it's often we talk ourselves in or out of these things because of our, you know, our own preconceived ideas of what people may think, what people, how people may react. And what I've come to learn um, and observed in in my life and others is often it doesn't happen when you try and really predict what's going to happen in the future, often you get it wrong. And what you're better off doing is going out there, not, like you said, not making a big song and dance about it, making it happen, and then just dealing with those um, those uh, those instances as and if they arise. Um, because, you know, it's interesting what you were talking about, Adam. When you make a big thing out of it, then they'll make a big thing back to you about it. When you do it quietly and, you know, authentically, it's, it's not that we're hiding the fact. We're just not making a big deal about it. Guess what? Nobody else does. And it's uh, and, and and what that leads to, you know, we, 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 when we start this conversation, the whole profitable lifestyle business. You know, like um, I made that decision um, in November last year. Uh, I gave myself three months to transition to this. Uh, in uh, this year, what are we? We're ten or eleven weeks in. I've worked two Fridays. That's it. Um, and on both of those days, it was just, uh, I chose to, to hold those meetings then. Um, and what's great is that I, like the level of freedom that, that I'm choosing has gone to the next level. My lifestyle is better. And, and, I'm, and I'm earning more as well. So tick, tick as far as I'm concerned. And you can have that right. too. Your listeners can all have this. And here's the thing. Um, my belief is that I'm not doing anything special or that's that different to anybody else that, that, or, or, or that any business can't have. I think what is really important for your listeners is that, number one, you've got to get super clear on what you want and then be relentless with going to achieve it, not accepting the story you tell yourself as to why you can't have that lifestyle. Yeah. And here, and here's something else too. You, you heard me mention earlier about how with the with the one arm of my business, I it requires me me to be in the business rather than on the business. I basically allocate one day to it, and as long as it takes, I get it all done that day. It's not always the same day. Most of the time, it's Wednesday, but it might be Friday or it might be Tuesday. And what I discovered is when I first began to identify that's going to be the same day every week, then other things started to become a problem. Well, okay, so one time 
I had a speaking engagement Wednesday, so what happens to my Wednesday? Or I have a friend in town on Wednesday. What happens to my Wednesday? It doesn't have to be Wednesday. As I mentioned earlier, at the beginning of the week, I look at how my calendar is shaping up, and I find the day that has the least stuff on it. If I can take stuff off that day and move it somewhere else, I do. Otherwise, I just say, well, at 9 o'clock, I'll have this 30-minute appointment or whatever. But then I just go to my calendar and block it off. And I think that as long as you've got some quote-unquote rules around that, that on, on what are the exceptions that I'm, I'm going to accept, and you don't just fall into this free-for-all and now all of a sudden you don't have that one day, um, I think that that, that works. I, I like to think of, um, when I do planning, I like to think of it, the, the metaphor I use frequently now is Google Maps. And I love that app. I love Google Maps. So you punch your destination in, and, and then it will tell you the fastest way to get from point A to point B. But what I love about it most is if, um, even yesterday, I was, um, I was, uh, I'm in Sydney today. I was in Melbourne yesterday, and we were travelling, and there was a there was a a, a, a road incident, a, a car smash up ahead. And so what the app, what the app does is reroutes us quickly, so that we can still get to our destination in the shortest period of time. And you've got to, what you described for me is that, you know, I, I'd love it to be every Wednesday, but sometimes something's going to pop up and it's not going to be possible. Or, you know, it may be more beneficial for me to do it on Tuesday this week. You've got to have the, the standard that you hold yourself to, but be willing to be a little bit flexible and work within um, those sort of parameters in order to achieve your outcome and, and, in order to have a profitable lifestyle business, if you're too rigid, you'll never actually achieve it because life's not rigid. No, life's not black and white. And so I think right. if you understand that premise, um, you really do give yourself the permission to have more life. There's something, Matt, that you, you asked me to ask you that we're going to get to in just one moment, but I'm being reminded of an incident that happened in my business, uh, maybe 11 or 12 years ago. This is ancient history, but it kind of informs what we've discussed about finding that time, that day, or that block where you're going to be in the business so you just get everything done so you create more of the lifestyle that surrounds it, and the idea of how to be rigid and how to be flexible about doing so. And also going back to if you have a team, how do you engage that team? How do you make that team have buy-in to what you're doing? to support your profitable, life, profitable lifestyle business. I'm remembering this. Um, it was a nice, sunny Wednesday afternoon, and uh, I noticed that uh, my calendar didn't have too much on it, so I had a couple projects I wanted to bang out, so I pulled one up and I started working on it. And the weirdest thing happened. My telephone started ringing non-frickin'-stop. Like, like, like my clients, like, met in a private chat room together somewhere and said, hey, let's all call Adam today. Uh, you take the, the 115 shift, I'll take the 130 shift, you take the 140, and you beep in at 142 while I'm on the line with him. Let's totally all come to him with our stuff all in one day. And as these calls keep coming in, and it's call after call after call, and I'm thinking, wait a minute. I have a scaled business here. All of these people have these team members that I have designated as project managers who are supposed to be their primary point of contact, 
that all these issues should be going to anyway, why are they all coming to me? So that was my first practical experience with it's great to have a team, but have you bought them? Have you given them the opportunity to buy in? And it also led me to make uh, a decision. And I think of decisions usually as permanent long-term solutions to temporary one-off minor incidents that, oh, from now on, I'm not going to take any calls on Wednesdays, which turned out to be ineffective and discouraged me even further. I mean, after after about the seventh call and I realized there's just more of this crap coming in, I literally unplugged my phone from the wall because I thought it was just superfluous that I was even being expected to feel this. And did somebody plan this? Did they really meet in a chat room and, like, divide up my day in 15-minute increments? Like, what the hell? And this was all, like, busy work stuff that really didn't need to really, by my design and by why I communicated these clients 50 times, was were questions they were supposed to be directing to somebody else to begin with. Um, so that led me to make a hard and fast decision that Wednesday is going to be my leave Adam alone day. And then I discovered the vagaries of having a lifestyle business, which is other opportunities emerge. So just wanted to share that as an example of how we bring some of these concepts together. But here's that question that you mentioned to me in the green room that you wanted me to ask. And uh, as much as I'm not much of a mathematician, I love formulas. So you have this thing called the 500-40-30 formula. What is that and what does it mean? Yeah, so... Um, the 540-30 formula uh, really is um, earn $500,000 a year after, uh, after paying yourself away, so 500000 in profit, uh, working 40 weeks of the year and only working 30 hours a week. And where this formula came from was um, one of the most common goals that you know, in all the clients I work with, the first thing we do is we sit down and we do a strategy slash planning uh, piece, and I'm asking them what are their goals, and um, I would say 75% of when asked this question uh, of the client, they said I want to earn a million dollars a year, and I kept hearing this, I want to earn a million dollars a year, million dollars a year, million dollars a year, okay, no worries, and I would ask why, or I would ask if you were earning a million dollars a year. What would you do with it? And most people couldn't answer that. They just felt they actually loved the romance of a million dollars versus actually thinking about what what it was that they wanted. What I came to learn was as we calculated, um, this is the accountant in me coming back, uh, I would sit down and ask them, okay, well, let's assume you had a million dollars a year that you were earning. Let's talk about what what you'd do with it. Uh, What kind of car would you drive? What kind of home would you live in? What kind of clothes would you wear? Food would you eat? Restaurants would you attend? Holidays would you take, etc.? We'd unpack all of this. For the vast majority, they could live the life of their dreams earning $500,000 profit after tax plus their wage. And right. what it became more about was this freedom aspect. But here was the thing. The... the, the uh, there's a lot of people out there preaching, um, you know, grow and sell your business. You know, grow this business to sell it. Um, a lot of the entrepreneurs that I meet and work with, they one day they wish to sell their business, but they actually love what they do. That's why they started the business in the first place. Um, but they they would love to have more flexibility and freedom. 
And so, um, you know, being able to have 12 weeks off a year um, for most was like an amazing life. They could work for nine months of the year, have three yeah. months off, you know. Um, and then this 30 hours a week, uh, again, gave them this flexibility and freedom piece. And so um, there's variations of this, by the way. What we do now as we take people through the formula is we customize it to, to you. So it's, you know, we, we, as a baseline, we know the 540-30, based on our research and the clients we've worked with, is, is, is where most people want to sit. Uh, I've got people that, that aspire to have more. I've got, I've got people with a, a 2 million 30-30 formula. I want to earn $2 million a year, work 30 weeks of the year, and I need to do 30 hours a week. Um, I've got a, a, a gentleman that I work with here in Australia. He's his 800, 40, 20. You know what I mean? Um, but it's, uh -huh. when we talk about a profitable lifestyle business, um, what this formula does is really makes the it, it merges the money and time equations to give you that outcome. Because most of the time we're only setting financial targets in our business. What revenue or sales do we, targets do we want to hit? What's our profit targets, uh, cash flow, etc.? And we got into this thing to have more flexibility and freedom, but we end up feeling stuck in the business. And so by combining that with the, the uh, weeks per year and the hours per week, that is that whole profitable lifestyle concept. Yeah. And once you get clarity on your formula, what that then enables us to do is actually understand whether your business model supports you achieving that that profitable lifestyle business. You know, if you'll if you'll let me, I can answer that question. Uh, like you, uh, the question you posed is: Let's say that we um, design my business under the five hundred forty thirty formula, five hundred thousand dollars a year realized profit after. Um, after taxes and expenses and salary and what have you, uh, 40 weeks a year, which is basically uh, one week off a month if you just want to make it real simple, and 30 hours a week, which to make that real simple is six hours a day. And uh, let's say I had that $500,000. Uh, you know what I'd do with it in the first year? Let me tell you what I'd do. Step one, step one is I would pay off all the debts. And that would be a piece of that 500000 not too big a piece, but it would be a, a noticeable piece of it. But then I would have zero debt service. The second thing I would do is I would look at every software or every application or every program that I pay for on a monthly basis that I know I'm going to keep for at least a year, and I would go buy the annual versions. I'd save the 10% or whatever. But the important thing is is I wouldn't have that ding coming off my um, – I wouldn't have all those things coming into my bank statements and coming into my cash flow every month. The third thing I would do is I would look at my collection of Internet domains. I'd identify the ones that uh, I know I'm going to keep for a long time, and I'd buy 10 years of each. So what, I, so what I would have done there is I would have created a situation where all of the cash flow deriving from my activities that earn money would be basically profits because I wouldn't be paying out much of anything except my salary and my subcontractor's payments. 
That would be about it. Then I would take um, I'd take maybe fifty thousand dollars of the money, and I'd just uh, have a little bit of fun with it. Maybe I'd take a couple vacations. Maybe I'd uh, buy a couple things I wanted. Whatever. I'd, I'd find some way to just have fun with it, right? And the rest of it, I would find a way to invest um, uh, conservatively but valuably, and I would sleep like a baby, knowing I have a chunk of money just sitting there at night. And then in year two, we'd start having some real fun, but. The first thing I would yeah. go for is freedom from the shackles of having to make payments on anything. And that would loosen up my cash flow, which would already increase my wealth because I'd be keeping all the money that came in instead of a big chunk of it going out every month to service things. Yeah, and, uh, but I think also, too, when we talk about wealth, it's that peace of mind that you mentioned also. There's, there's yeah. a huge, huge payoff. That. Yeah, yeah, and what would also benefit me is because I would have I would be having so much more of my incoming cash flow just available to me. Um, that would help to protect me from further debt because I wouldn't need to finance stuff the way I I normally would. So even in the very beginning, now some folks look at that and say, well, yeah, if you gave me five hundred thousand dollars, I would invest all of that in marketing. Are you kidding me? What, so you can do the same stuff that hasn't made your money up until now? Be smart about it. Get your freedom first. Then you'll actually have more money to invest because your cash flow will have more value. And, and I think the thing that is important for your listeners is to, to hear the clarity and the order in which you would do it. I would clear out debt first because that's going to, you know, that is a sense of freedom. Um, you know, I, I can still remember the day as a child when my mum and dad uh, paid off the, the family home. And it was yeah. like they actually started living their life, you know. Exactly. And, That's a, and I, exactly. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know when your parents lived or how much their house payment was or what that meant in Australian dollars or wherever you grew up. But uh, I can imagine that being probably about maybe a, a fourth or a third of their income that they suddenly had back. Absolutely, absolutely, and it was, that, yeah. But that, and I can still, and I remember from that point onwards was that's when we started going on nicer holidays. Um, we started, you know, uh, they upgraded their cars. They, but they got rid of that debt first, and that was, and but also too, it wasn't just getting rid of the debt. It was they had the asset, they had the security that we own this home. That and that. That in, you know, when we talk about this whole profitable lifestyle concept, that for them was most important, and that gave them the, the freedom they desired. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it would be freedom of uh, knowing that when money goes in my bank account, it stays there. That would be great for me. I would love <laughs> that. I mean, I mean, to me, that yeah. is my definition of a profitable lifestyle, and that's my definition of taking weight off my shoulders is knowing that, if I, my company brings 3000 in, tomorrow I'm going to have $3,000. Tomorrow I'm not going to have 800 after I pay off stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, so overall, and we have about, uh, this time is really fine here, we have about eight minutes, and I do want to give you a minute or two at the end. Um, anything else you can share with us that we may not have touched on during our conversation here that contributes to developing and sustaining a profitable lifestyle business? Yeah, so I think that um, one of the pieces that we 
implement with our clients is what we call this life biz master plan. So again, most people will either have you know, goals of what they want to achieve maybe outside of work or they'll have business goals and plans and what they want to achieve for their business. But they never really mesh the two together. And, you know, you want to um, – I remember, for me, with school, we used to have these uh, overhead projectors where they put a transparency on it. It would project onto yep. a wall. And I want yep. you to imagine that what you're doing is you're taking, um, you know, an overhead transparency of your life and your business and, and, and overlaying them together. And you need to see how they work, in, you know, and, and one's not more important than the other, in my opinion. Because I don't know anybody that uh, lives to work. You know, and I know that's very, very cliche, but, um, you, know, you know, if you were on your deathbed, you wouldn't be wishing you, you worked longer hours or, you know, uh, did more marketing or any of that. That's all important, but that's a function to help you right. fulfill a passion or a dream you may have in your business. But that then leads to the life that you want. And you don't want to wait till someday. And I was listening to a podcast the other the other week and was reminded of a Louise Hay quote, you know, that this whole be, do, have concept. And she talks about it in her book, uh, um, You Can Heal Your Life, where, you know, um, when, I, when, I, um, when I earn the money I set out to earn, then I'll uh, have the time to be the father that I want to be to my kids. And, I was like, and that whole concept is just, as we know, back to front, because you can be the father to your children today, irrespective of the amount of money that you earn. And so the whole um, Life Biz Master Plan is to help you align your business and life goals. And I think um, this was, um, for me personally anyway, um, one of my... Uh, when, when, we, when I first got into business, I'd only, I just recently got married. And a lot of the entrepreneurs that I knew that were successful were on to their second or third marriage. And so I didn't, I didn't want to live that life. And so this whole life, this master plan for me, enabled me and still does to this day to, to have you know a, a, a great marriage with my wife, beautiful relationships with my children, feel connected with friends and family, but also to, um, you know, I, I could, uh, you know, two weeks ago, uh, I had some things I wanted to get out and I was in, in the office till 1am and I don't have a guilt feeling around that because I've got this balance. It's not like I'm at work all the time till 1am. I might do that on occasion, but uh, I've got, you know, uh, the flexibility to finish work and go and hang out with my kids. Or, you know, to organize a babysitter and take my wife out and uh, go and have a drink and a dinner without feeling like we're neglecting our children or neglecting my business or any of that. So um, what I'm describing is possible for every single entrepreneur if you choose it. Right. Right. And I think that, and I think that's great. And uh you know, go, going back to that, I'm thinking, wow, if I, had the, if I had the life where, and I'm kind of there now, where, yeah, and I actually mentioned this earlier, if there's once in a while that I, I'm at it till 1 o'clock in the morning, I balance that against, look at all the other freedom I have. 
while everybody else yep. is locked into exactly 9 a.m. to exactly 5 p.m. with the hour for lunch and the two 15-minute breaks, I balance that, well, look, it's been a long day and it's 1 a.m. and I'm just starting to wrap up here. I balance that against all the days where it's the afternoon and I just decide I want to play hooky or if I need to get a medical appointment, I just go during the day and I walk right in rather than waiting in line at 6 o'clock like everybody else fighting for the few available appointments. And just the freedom to know that uh, I can uh, trade that occasional long day for having the flexibility to do things I really enjoy other times. So to me, that's a key ingredient. Now, Matt, you mentioned uh, when you and I were speaking earlier, you had a little something for our listeners who stayed until the very end and gained something from this. So if you wanted to tell us a little bit about that now, that would be fantastic. Yeah, so if you um... – if you go to www.stopdoing.com.au, uh, we've got uh, a, a free chat, the first chapter of the book there for you to download. Together with uh, a, the, the uh, I built a, a tool called the Ultimate Stop Doing List tool that uh, helps you create, uh, you know, for, for, an, for a better term, it's your freedom list. Yeah, uh, the list that will help you get gain clarity on what you need to stop doing in your in your life and in your business so that you can have that profitable lifestyle business. So uh, we've got those resources there for everybody. Um, and there's also a video that goes with the tool to explain how to use it and how to implement it. It has the formula that I mentioned earlier about how to calculate your hourly rate uh, and then also how to not only just not to create the list, but then how to actually start to, to remove these things from your, your day-to-day. Awesome. Thank you for sharing with us. So, Matt Maloof, uh, the author of the best-selling Stop Doing List, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education. Thank you for having me. You bet. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.